Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Hey, everybody. Hey. Yeah, you might recognize this background. (laughs) We were here like in December. We're back in Utah. Yeah. Yay. It's cold outside. Well, I do have to say it is cold. Um, uh, While we were trying to get everything unpacked and set up and stuff. And so I went and ran and grabbed coffee this morning because, you know, we don't have like everything because set up because problem. we have a caffeine problem. So I uh, got up, went outside and there were probably four inches of snow all over everything on the car. And I was like, damn it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, turned it on, heated it up. All of that went and got coffee and, and, um, you know, so we, we got, we have our Java, Java. Yeah. Good. And then those of you who also know that when we left here, we left my suitcase here. So it's been like Christmas. I have like all my clothes. I got all the stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm it's like, I, and I said, She's I'm reunited now, with her. I'm stuff. reunited with, uh, apparently my stuff means more to me than I thought it did. <laughs> we're going to have to this table's pretty wobbly. It so is. I'm sorry yeah, if, if we're a little bit, um, a little bit shaky. So good morning, Karen. Hey, Karen. It's great to to see you, and also um, Jorge. Jorge. Oh, we have two Jorge's today. We have uh, oh, 54. George Spad is with yeah. us. Yeah, and uh, George Montemayor from uh, Arizona. So glad to have yeah, you here, George. Yeah. Um. So you don't have to. You don't have to talk about the weather very much. We're going to have a conversation with our guest about that in just a second. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so a quick uh, update. Yeah. Uh, March 30th, uh, we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be um, on a Thursday. Uh, folks know that we're doing this uh, live stream event. The thing just gets better and better. More people, yeah. more important information to share. So we're going to want you to be there. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. regret it if you miss it. So. Yep. And so we still have um, this this week, the uh, the pre-early bird discount ends this week. And it is, I'm going to throw that up there, discount code early bird morning show. So if you go to BHPH TV, Nation, Nation TV. TV. Thank yeah. you. It's early. <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee yet. Um, BHPHNationTV.com. The registration buttons are there. If you use Early Bird Morning Show, you're going to get $125 right. off. Yep. So, absolutely. So, all right. What else? That's it. Let's get to uh, talking about reinsurance. Okay. Shall we? We've got our, all right. Our so, George Spad on the hi, line. Hi, George. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Alaska. Yeah. It looks like yeah, it, yeah. man. It's a warm, warm place out there, not compared to. We know here. that George is in the yes. Tampa area. That's a home base for you, right, George? It is. Yeah, we cover uh, pretty much all of Florida, and that's that's about as much as we can say grace over. I remember you saying that before. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you had determined that that was uh, was smarter for you to focus on that area with uh, the work that you do and reinsurance. And uh, do you do other consulting? Is it to primarily reinsurance? Now we have some, uh, we have a couple of franchise dealers and we have some uh, retail um, independent used car dealers as well. So uh-huh. we do, do a little bit of everything. Uh, we're pretty complete when it comes to any back end profit uh, consulting. Uh, obviously, as you already identified, reinsurance is a big part of that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And when we were, when we met in or uh, had a chance to have opportunity to talk in Florida, you mm-hmm. were saying that, you know, some of the other big names that you work with them closely as well with, um, I think you'd said something about Buckeye and. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really our, what, 
when a dealer works with us, they, they get the benefit of working for the large company that we represent, which would be Buckeye, AVP, uh, and then some multi-billion dollar companies as well. And okay. then in addition to those, all the uh, benefits of working with that large company, they also get the benefits of working with us. Sure. So okay. we, we're kind of the broker in between. We, okay. we help uh, really do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I understood. And those who uh, uh, know George and son, mm -hmm. Anthony, that's uh, they're providing an excellent level of service. They're very knowledgeable, very good people to work with. And so, yeah, we also want to um, you know, get a little feel. If we've got time at the end of the show, George, I'd like for you to take our viewers through the thing of just about how the structure, like the architecture of how reinsurance even works. When we think about agencies and underwriters and, you know, the administration of it, I'd like to kind of mm -hmm. take, take time if we have time at the end to, to really map that out for folks who are newer to, uh, to reinsurance. But for today, we brought you on to talk about warranties versus service contracts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have uh, some understanding of that having been around by here payer for a time and, and, you know, working with dealers who are choosing to get in the reinsurance space. So um, we have, by the way, an article that George uh, wrote, and we'll be happy to share that in the comments of the uh, post after the, uh, the broadcast. But we, we really just for today want to talk through that and find out, you know, what what can you share with us? Just if I'm a brand new dealer and and I am trying to decide how to protect, you know, my collateral and make my customers happy. Um, you know, how do I go around? How do I go about the business of deciding about uh, warranty versus service contract? Well, of course, uh, most of what I say is going to be geared toward Florida which happens yeah. to be a little different than the other 49 states right. uh, when it comes to service contracts. But, but most of it's going to be pretty much generic because it's uh, federal law. Uh, almost both the uh, service contract and, and uh, the warranty actually falls under the uh, Magnuson Moss Warranty Act, which has been in, in effect for many, many years. I think it was the mid-70s when it was enacted. So, so the first difference, which is, um, you know, most dealers and certainly customers interchange those two terms, the warranty, and they don't even know what a service contract is. They just use the word warranty for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, when I talk to a, a dealer or a potential dealer client, we, we use the correct terminology. If the dealer doesn't want to use the correct terminology, that's up to them. Yeah. We, we kind of use the same uh, attitude that it, I think you do when it comes to working with a dealer. We're going to, uh, well, we're going to recommend highly, highly, highly recommend some things, but we're never going to tell them how to do their business. Right. So yeah. they, they, they run their business, they're a businessman, you know, it's their name on the line, it's their mm -hmm. money on the line. So they're, they're going to do as they wish. But if they've called us in as a consultant, just like you, uh, we're going to make some uh, recommendations. And, okay. the, and the first, uh, and the other thing I'm going to mention is that uh, understanding that this particular podcast is uh, geared toward almost exclusively toward buy here, pay here dealers. Right. So I'm going to try to, to sort of focus my comments really on uh, buy here, pay here and how it affects a buy here, pay here dealer. Okay. Because a buy here, pay here dealer, as we all know, is a lender. So mm -hmm. that, that really... Makes a, makes a difference for some things. Mm -hmm. The 
So I've said all that to say this. The first thing uh, that everybody who knows anything about warranty versus service contract knows is that a warranty is free to the consumer. And, and that's the uh, biggest difference right there. That's in a nutshell, that, that is the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the easiest way to think of that, and when I talk to a dealer and explain it, the easiest way to explain it is very simple because everyone has bought a used new car mm-hmm. uh, or certainly known someone who bought a new car and the new cars come with a warranty. Mm-hmm. So in my previous life, I've been doing this since 1976. Mm-hmm. So in my previous life, I was in uh, retail and worked for franchise dealers. I've been finance director. I've been a general manager, most everything on the front end of the store. When I'm talking to a consumer, one, especially uh, my most recent uh, position back in the 90s was uh, as a finance director for a, a Chrysler store in Vero Beach. And when I was talking to a consumer after they purchased their vehicle and talking to them about purchasing a service contract, one question I would ask them is, uh, this new Chrysler came with a three year, 36,000 mile warranty. Uh, so if, if we decided to uh, take that warranty off, how much of a discount would you want as a consumer? So it was a way for them to really kind of shake the cobwebs out of their head and, and think how much a warranty is worth. and and you can probably guess the numbers were, you know, very different, but quite frankly, most of them sort of centered around the number of $5,000. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I bought this Chrysler without a warranty at all, I would want a $5,000 discount. Mm-hmm. Well, of course you can't discount a vehicle and you can't take a warranty off. So that was really what I was getting to uh, earlier when we talked to a dealer about putting a warranty on, you can't take it back off. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that $5,000 did several things it, it also told them that, uh, made them realize that there's some value to a warranty. Of course, my next question, if I'm selling a service contract would be, so if you had a choice and would you rather have the warranty that Chrysler offers on the first three years or the second three years of ownership? And again, they just told me it was worth $5,000. So almost everyone would say, well, the second three years, the first three years, nothing, nothing breaks. <laughs> so it was very easy for me to now present a service contract in the $2,500 range when they just told me it was worth 5000 mm-hmm. So, So that's kind of a, a little bit of a story, but that's how I sell is with stories. And, and frankly, uh, that kind of gives you an indication as to the difference between a warranty and a service contract right there. Well, the service contract, that basically is a... Con- as a consumer, a service contract, I just have to choose it. Like it's optional. I have to pay the price and it gets added to the price of the vehicle. That's correct. And, and there's a, a, as everything that a dealer sells, we would want them to make a profit on it. So if you're selling something, you should make a profit on it, uh, which brings us back to the warranty. And with a warranty, there's no uh, sale involved. So typically there's no profit involved. Mm-hmm. And we can uh, we can have the discussion another day about the the whole profit piece. I think for me, where I come from, and we had uh, you know Tim and Taylor Bird from Dealer Re on not long ago, and we talked about the CPI side of yep, things. A great company. And mm-hmm. so yeah, so as far as we know about um, you know, and again, I'm coming from the buy here payer space as a former dealer myself, and having done warranties and and CPI, I think um, I think about it a couple ways. I'm 
obviously I'm happy to have the profit. I know that every bit of price markup that I put on there, I'm adding to the term in the case of a buy here, pay here deal. So, so there's that. And then there's, but there's also for a buy here, pay here dealer, there's the whole, you know, if we're talking about a three or four year business relationship with a the customer, then our ability to, to keep the customer happy and keep them on the road and, and limit losses is pretty significant in my book. So it's like, there's, there's all these benefits that dealers, you know, want to contemplate. And of course, when it comes to service contracts, there are third-party providers. If I'm a independent dealer, I can find a serve a provider that I could buy a, a service contract from, but uh, we might just then cover if let's just stick with service contracts for a minute. If, if I'm an independent dealer, talk to me about the reasons that it makes sense for me to go with my own reinsured service contract versus um, maybe a third-party provider. Well, the, the biggest difference is that uh, that profit that we're talking about with a buy here, pay here dealer specifically, since that's what we're, we're uh, talking to this morning, mm -hmm. uh, is that the besides the upfront profit, there's uh, two other profits that are often uh, overlooked. Uh, and that, that would be the underwriting profit, I'll explain that in a minute, and the investment income profit. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to uh, understand, and uh, most people know, as, especially anybody who's driven through Hartford, Connecticut, how big the uh, insurance company's buildings are. Mm -hmm. uh, the, all the big buildings in Hartford uh, have uh, an insurance company name on it. So the insurance companies are, are in it for those profits. Uh, they're in it. They, they don't make any of the uh, upfront profit that the dealer makes. So there's obviously they're making the underwriting profit and the investment income profit. Mm -hmm. So it, the way the um, reinsurance works, and we can talk about that in more detail if you like, but the, the way reinsurance works is that there's a, a amount of the premium, which is the uh, price of the service contract is set aside or warranty is set aside in a uh, bucket, if you wanna visualize that, and it stays in that bucket during the term of the contract. And when there's a claim uh, that's part of the contract, then money is taken out of the bucket and used to pay the claim. Mm -hmm. So whatever is left in that bucket, you know, wanna keep with that analogy, at the end of the term of the contract from, uh, then that, that money is now a underwriting profit because it was not needed to pay claims. Right. However, it's not really sitting in a bucket, it's actually sitting in an account. And that account is uh, not a mattress uh, or a bucket, it's actually set, it's, it's actually invested. So depending on, on where you have your reinsurance company, there's many, many choices. You can either have it in a local uh, bank, you can have it in a trust account, you could have it at your Merrill Lynch uh, investment uh, account. And uh, at, you know, there are certain requirements while it's being held in, in the reserve for uh, what I call a widows and orphans fund. It has to be available no matter what. So there's very uh, minimal choices you have when it comes to to actually investing that money uh, while it's being reserved. But once it's earned out, without taking it out of that uh, account, you could actually keep it in a little separate account and invest it uh, more aggressively and still remain tax deferred. So sure. uh, that's something I didn't mention, but, but while the money is in that account, it's all tax deferred. Uh, you treat it as an insurance company 
So insurance companies don't pay tax on underwriting profit until it's uh, withdrawn as a dividend. Yeah. So the like the the costs associated with doing some of these different things are, you know, it's it's either it's going to a different company or staying with you. I mean, it's and it's not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me just ask this. I mean, I'm, you know, off the street, new buy here, pay here dealer. And, um, and I, we know better than that. <laughs> well, I, I bet I've been in buy here, pay here for now. Two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. okay. um, uh, so let's say, you know, we, we talk to a lot of dealers and there's a lot of dealers out there that don't have a reinsurance program. Um, right. they might, they might have a third party warranty or something like that, that they, that That's they've right. done. But let's talk about, let's say, and I don't know if you can do the quick math and Jim will probably say seriously, Michelle, <laughs> um, let's say that you, you know, you open up and you're, uh, you're doing something along the lines of, um, a, uh, um, and I got to plug myself in here cause I just got a battery thing. Um, let's say you, you've got, uh, you know, 200 contracts on the books and at the end of 200 or at, at the end of a term and you've, you know, you've been cycling through 200 contracts. What does that look like? I mean, is that because, you know, obviously you're going to have claims and things and money flowing in and out. But like you said, once mm -hmm. that contract term is is completed, that money no longer has to stay in the bucket to protect all the other people that are on the road because their money is now right. in there. So, I mean, like what kind of returns are we talking about that are possible for someone who's maybe got like 200 contracts on the books? Well, that's that's an excellent question, and and it's a it's a rolling number, of course, because you're putting putting uh, new business in all the time, and money uh, contracts are earning out at the other end. So it's a it's a constant uh, it's a constant flow, constant mm -hmm. rolling number. So depending on the term of the warranty or service contract, and we'll get back to the difference in a minute, I'm sure, but. But it depends on the, on several uh, considerations. Uh, of course, it, the, the biggest consideration, quite frankly, is the uh, dealer business model. Okay. If if the dealer uses the uh, warranty or service contract to recondition his vehicles, he's going to have a uh, he or she is going to have a very large or very high loss ratio. And that loss ratio obviously is easy to compute, but you're if you're Again, if you're using it to fix your vehicles, to recondition your vehicles, then you're not using it the way it's, it's meant to be, uh, the way it's been underwritten. Okay. Uh, typically, I will say this because I was a vice president with a multi-billion dollar uh, company uh, before, and uh, I would say typically the, uh, the billion dollar companies underwrite their service contracts at about an 80% loss ratio. So the, the difference is profit. So you, you're paying a small fee, uh, administrative fee for the for whatever company that you're working with to to handle some of the uh, paperwork and filing with the states and, and, and quite frankly, uh, handling the claims if you know, most companies will handle the claims for you. So so you're paying a fee for that. But other than that, it's mostly uh, profit. Now, I will say that it's underwritten at 80 percent because they're insurance companies. They are very conservative by nature. They work with the law of large numbers. Uh, so, so they're looking at making that, uh, you know, a profit. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that the average reinsurance reinsured dealer and, uh, you know, Taylor and Tim Bird, uh, who, who do a lot of reinsurance, obviously, just like we do, they would uh, probably uh, chip in the, the same number that most of our dealers run in a probably closer to 60% loss ratio mm-hmm. and some even lower than that. But it depends on their uh, business model. You know, if if you cars break, I mean, we we know, we know that they they break when they're on the lot before you sell them. You you bring them home from the auction, you fix it all up, you get thousand dollars worth of reconditioning in there, you put them on the lot. Somebody buys it a week later, and the battery won't. You know, it doesn't start. You yeah. know, it's they, they break for just being there. So so we expect them to break. But that we know from the law of large numbers how many are going to break if they're fixed right the first time. We, we know that. I mean, we, so to answer your question, somewhere between 60 and 80 uh, percent would be a loss ratio and the remainder would be profit, uh, underwriting profit to, to the dealer. That makes sense. We um, uh, got a question from uh, Mr. Jason Powers, Sr. I have worked several years for providers that offer standard VSC programs as well as reinsurance programs. What do you see as the minimum volume threshold to move dealers to reinsurance? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question. We, we get that a lot, Jason, and we, we actually uh, hear from almost every dealer that we that we start talking with. Uh, that's one of the very first questions. And it, it really comes down to, uh, again, a lot. You're going to hear me say this, I guess, uh, quite often this morning. Uh, it's going to break, break down to the dealer model. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, reinsured, right now we're talking about service contract and uh, vehicle service contracts. Mm-hmm. So if a, if a dealer has both, then they need a smaller volume. Now, I, what we haven't talked about is what can be reinsured and anything that can be insured can be reinsured. So that means anything that has any risk to it can be reinsured. So we have dealers, uh, dealer clients of ours. I mean, we have some that are doing uh, 200, 300 cars a month, and we have some that are doing 10 cars a month. Uh, at, at some point, uh, I'm sure, you know, if you're, if you're going to reinsure your CPI, reinsure your, your gap, reinsure your service contract, reinsure your uh, limited warranty. Well, I mean, you've got some volume there, even at 10 cars a month, because if you're, if you're doing those things properly, you know, a good CPI program, as an example, if, if you're, if you're selling 15, 20 cars a month, a good CPI program is going to be at 60% or more of uh, CPI penetration. Your vehicle service contract is going to be uh, for a buy here, pay your deal, it's going to be higher than that. You know, vehicle service contract penetration, if you decide to offer a vehicle service contract, is going to be higher than 60%. And new car dealers are at 60 or 70% now mm-hmm. selling service contracts on brand new cars that have a warranty already. Mm-hmm. So, and then you add your warranty and your warranty is at 100% just by definition. So, and gap, same thing. I mean, gap is going to be high, high percentage as well. So even at... Mm-hmm. Selling 10, 15 cars a month, I've seen very, very successful uh, reinsurance, uh, reinsured dealers at, at those low numbers. So if you were to start a dealer at a volume of 10, as an example, are, 
are they going to be asked to start their fund with some amount of money? We don't have to know the number here, but I mean, are they, are they going to need to prime the pump, so to speak with, uh, you know, by putting some dollars in the fund to start to guard against those early losses? Uh, good, good point. Good question. Uh, most, uh, when I was working with mostly franchise dealers, uh, we competed with uh, companies like Zurich. You know, Zurich required a $25,000 capitalization, which is the, the term that you're looking for, Jim. Uh, capitalization uh, is not required for any of the dealers, uh, any of the uh, administrators that we work with uh, for, okay. you know, for a uh, uh, independent dealer. Capitalization, so, so if you have a shock loss, your next question uh, Michelle probably is going to be well. What happens if you've got two thousand dollars in your uh, reinsurance account and you have a five thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollar loss? You know, it's a shock loss because of something that was unexpected. Obviously, uh, the bottom line is uh, there are several ways to handle that depending on the reinsurance company uh, and the reinsurance administrator. Most are going to just allow you. They're going to pay for it and just allow you to reimburse it as it as a normal flow of business. Okay. So uh, like that, that answered one question I mm-hmm. had. The other one um, was, um, can you like, I'm opening up a buy here, pay here. I have not sold a car. I have 20 cars on the lot. I want reinsurance. Is that something that's possible? It is possible. Uh, you're, you know, again, it depends on your, your business model. If, if you're, uh, there's a lot of old expressions and uh, you mentioned my son, Anthony and, He's heard everyone now since uh, he's grown up in the business. And, you know, we've had the agency since I, I uh, so-called retired from my uh, vice president position. Uh, so we started the agency nine years ago and he's heard uh, every, you know, he, he groans when I say them. But uh-huh. but but one that but all dealers have heard, especially uh, by here, pay here dealers, is that when the car is running great, it's their car. And when it's broken, it's your car again uh-huh. as, yeah. as a dealer. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, sure, you can start a reinsurance company. There, there are fees to start. Uh, typically, it's going to be $5,000 or less. And, and by the way, if you want to just, um, if I can use your squirrel, um, Michelle, and, oh, and nice. kind of <laughs> <laughs> go off to the uh, reinsurance for, for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, the you know, you're, when you start a reinsurance company, uh, there are going to be some fees involved to start that. But the reason that it's uh, it started uh, so-called offshore, uh, which means it started outside of the United States, mm-hmm. is because it's a lot less expensive to start a reinsurance company outside of the United States. You can start one in the United States. You can start one in Florida. It costs about $500,000. Wow. Oh, so, okay. So most dealers don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> cost prohibitive. Yeah. But there, there are some that do. And, you know, we can certainly handle that as well. Yeah. But if you, when, you, when I say offshore, one of the most misunderstood uh, terms uh, in reinsurance is that term offshore, because most people have this uh, visualization of some kind of Sopranos type, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. magic thing of offshore and Canary mm-hmm. Islands or, or mm-hmm. something spooky, but it's not. It's offshore for one minute. Because as soon as your uh, reinsurance company is formed, it's brought back on shore. It's only formed in another domicile, typically either this day and age, either Turks and Caicos or uh, more often now the Delaware tribe. 
which is considered uh, a separate nation. Right. So, so what I'm hearing you say, because we're going to go down the squirrel hole a little. Oh, boy. <laughs> what I'm hearing you say is it really isn't something that you could write off a trip to go visit your reinsurance company somewhere in the middle of the Bahamas. <laughs> That's not something that you really could do. Well, I'm not sure that you can't. I'm not a tax person. You have to ask Amanda that one. But uh, we do uh, offer tax we, advice. We don't advise here. Morning show. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're not an attorney or not an accountant. Uh, well, but frankly, the um, you probably could. I mean, if you if it was formed in Turks and Caicos and you wanted to uh, fly to Turks and Caicos and, and visit your certificate, because that's all that's there. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's a business write-off because yeah. we're doing I, business. Yeah, you said it. I did. Okay. Yeah, question for Amanda and Hugo. So question we'll save for that Amanda. for later. Yeah. So, George, I think we're going to have to have you back a second time. We yeah. try to keep our broadcast down to about thirty minutes, especially on a on a Monday. People are busy and on the move. But I think, you know, I'm thinking about one particular thing. Um, I'm wondering on the the warranty thing. I I I learned that I think I was telling people wrong early in my career about a warranty. Um, I understand all the reasons and you understand all the benefits of somebody using a, a reinsurance company, but I'm, am I right to understand now that a warranty I can actually do, and, and this may vary by state, but you refer to that Magnuson Moss act, if I said that right, but, uh, um, yeah, he goes like, I'm staying quiet. Yeah, Hugo yeah. is he got, he got uh, counted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they, uh, the question really is, can I do a warranty without a reinsurance? Absolutely. And I'm glad you uh, asked that because uh, we, we also represent companies who uh, are part of the uh, NIADA certified program. Okay. So the certified program, uh, you know, your guest uh, the other day uh, was, was talking about the certified program, the new certified program. It's been uh, reborn again, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the short answer to your question is yes. Uh, the, the warranty can be provided by a third party. Now, I will make this uh, actual point because I think it's important, is that the warranty can only be offered by two different entities. And that's going back to Magnus, Magnuson Moss. The warranty can only be offered by either the seller or the manufacturer. Okay. Those are the only entities. So even though uh, we represent AUL as an example, who is one of the companies that uh, has the uh, certified program from NIADA. So even though AUL provides the uh, the actual documentation and the uh, some some of the marketing material and that type of thing, the warranty is still offered by the dealer. Okay. So, but to to uh, to give you the short answer, yes, absolutely. Uh, we have dealers dealer clients right now who offer a a warranty through a third party okay uh and and you said that everybody knows the difference i, I just kind of want to he hesitate you know kind of want to mention a couple of the, the reasons for the warranty because it is important and the biggest one for a buy here pay here dealer besides the fact that you're documenting what you're already doing which is taking care of the customer this so in it uh, the other reasons are differentiation because if, if you are uh, offering a, you can offer a lifetime warranty. It's very relatively inexpensive to offer a lifetime warranty, or you can offer a three month warranty or six month or one year or two years. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on, on your uh, business model again. So, but you're gonna differ from the other guys across town or even down the street from you. And, and that's really, you know, one of the main reasons. Uh, the, the other, the other, uh, 
reasons. Uh, we mentioned the yours versus theirs, who, who owns the car when it's broke down. Uh, one, one that's often overlooked, I mentioned in my article, is the type of customer who's attracted to a dealer who offers a warranty. The type of customer is somebody who's security uh, minded, you know, just by nature. So it's, it's overlooked, but when, when you offer a warranty, even if it's a three month warranty, and then you propose a service contract, you're proposing it to someone who is already predisposed to being protected. So your, you know, your penetration rates are going to be higher. Uh, your acceptance is going to be higher. Your uh, CSI is going to be higher. So, I mean, there, there are lots of reasons to offer a, a warranty. Yeah. I got to get in one more question. Uh, okay. Can we ask Karen's yeah, question really quick? Yeah. Karen asked, I put it up there a second ago. What happens to the warranty if they sell the accounts? Well, the warranty is offered by the dealer. So the warranty stays in, in effect. You know, the, uh, you know, frankly, uh, I haven't had anyone really bring that up, but I, I'm sure that the warranty is still in effect. Yeah, okay. the dealer remains obligated. I mean, that's part the of what offer somebody yeah. a warranty. Even if they sold honor. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's would be my thinking too. But um, so the, the other question I'm thinking about, George, is just from an operational standpoint, if I'm and I'm just picking numbers here, we know these numbers are moving and increasing all the time. But if I'm a buy here, pay here dealer and my my typical contract link to the consumer is three years, and my risk period in the contract is about twelve to 15 months, we'll pick 12 months. Then as an advisor, if I'm setting up, uh, we can stay with a, a service contract. Would you be advising that I promote to the consumer a service contract at 12 months or 36 months or somewhere in between? Well, again, that's, that's really going to be up to up to the dealer. As far as uh, we're, we're usually for buy your pay your dealers, 90% of the time, we're going to be recommending a warranty over a service contract. The cost, the dealer cost is going to be roughly the same. I mean, because it's the same risk. So the cost is really going to be the same. The difference is going to be that every customer has it. Yeah. So again, by the law of large numbers, you're going to be better uh, covered, you know, frankly, if, if everyone has it. So to, to answer your question, uh, using a warranty versus rather than a service contract, typically we're going to recommend somewhere at least a 12 month uh, warranty. Uh, maybe 18 months. And we have some that have a, a two-year warranty. Okay. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. So, you know, I don't, every, every answer he gives raises another question. <laughs> I don't know. I would, next time we're we going to, we're yeah. going to have you on again soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I, we really appreciate you, George. Um, you're always uh, really active when we are doing a podcast with, um, with bringing up different points and, and, and one of the things that we really appreciate you is, is that you are dealer education minded. So, You're very you know, generous so, with very uh, generous. your knowledge and education. Yeah. And so white hat. I, I was, I was, oh, kidding. Nice. Yay. Look at that. another white hat shows up. <laughs> Yeah, we appreciate that. That's now, awesome. You've been Thank really you. uh, yeah. trying to support that, and and you yeah. get what that mission is all about for us. Mm -hmm. I, I I do, and and frankly, uh, there's a lot of uh, compliance risk out there. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, as a dealer, especially a buy here pay here dealer, if you don't offer a warranty, uh, then you've got to make sure everything else is tight, uh, because by your as is buyer's guide. By the way, the buyer's guide uh, violation fine a couple of years ago went up from $14,000 to over $40,000 wow. per 
per violation. So, I mean, one FTC visit could literally close down most buy here, pay here dealers if you're not doing it correctly. But yeah. the, the point I wanted to make there is that if you're not offering a, if you're offering uh, not offering any warranty at all, you may be offering an implied warranty without knowing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so there's things to, uh, to have someone look at. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should wrap it up um, there. Like if you want to stick just... around afterwards for just a second, we like sure. to just kind of chat with, uh, with people that uh, have been so gracious to join us. Yeah. But, um, thank sure. you. Thanks George. And to, thank uh, you. Folks can reach out to us or you can find George. He's on LinkedIn. He's on uh, Facebook mm-hmm. and the company is GEMS, which is golden Eagle, right? Golden Eagle management services. It is golden Eagle management services, but most people can't say all that. So we have a DBA gems. It's, and I can, yeah. Very nice. And I can tell you that, you know, George has shared with us and he said at the beginning of the broadcast, they primarily serve the state of Florida. Uh, and he's just been kind enough to share the information mm-hmm. and, and just remember everybody that you're some of these things we talked about are state specific. So you're going to want to speak to your mm-hmm. own, uh, your own agent or get information there that'll somebody that's familiar with your particular state. So there's some good, very good uh, advice out there. You know, the yeah. dealer re guys, uh, Brett, you know, the Brett works for uh, one of the companies that we represent. So. All right. Yeah. Very Excellent. Nice. Hey, thank you. And um, we will, again, all those out there in uh, listener land, we will be having George on again soon because yeah. just what a wealth There's of information. All right. We're going to put you backstage for just a minute. Okay. Um, let's Because uh, when I look at our list of questions, there yeah. are a few things we didn't even we didn't get, get into. Yeah. And so we we know from just some communication we've had with George um, that there's he's he's got a he's got really um deep perspectives on a lot of things that are happening in the industry and rich experience so really grateful that we can count him as a friend and Mm -hmm. you know he's already got his white hat as a vendor there you go there you go yeah Yeah, we're good to go Mm -hmm. um anything we need to again no just uh, don't forget that march 30th march 30th thing hey guys that that 125 off ends this week on thursday um go to bhphnationtv.com dot com and um use the early bird morning show one word don't say anything brent carmichael <laughs> he laughed brent at doesn't me listen he's he doesn't busy. he's on an airplane right <laughs> yeah. now all right yeah. thanks so much you guys everyone for joining us and i hope you have a fantastic monday thanks again thanks.